2: Visit Picasso to see thousands of listings. That's pacaso.com.
1: Hi, and welcome back to the Carol Markowitz Show on iHeartRadio. If you've been listening to this show for a while, you know that I love to ask guests to provide a life improving tip. I've really enjoyed compiling these. I think that the tip I hear about most often that people have implemented in their own lives is from my very first episode. My guest was my fantastic friend, Buck Sexton, and he said to read before bed. Now, obviously, that's not rocket science, right? You read before bed, you feel better, you don't stare at your phone. We all know that staring at our devices right before trying to get restful sleep is a recipe for tossing and turning all night. But sometimes... We just need to hear people give us that obvious advice. Buck's advice is something that I've implemented myself. I try to read fiction specifically before bed. And I mean, look, I'm not perfect. Do I find myself scrolling on Instagram reels before bed some nights of the week? Of course I do. But the nights that I don't, the nights that I follow the advice to unplug before bed are my best nights of sleep. And it's helpful. So the advice doesn't have to be astonishing or startling or or really, you know, unique. It can just be something that you need to hear. I asked my listeners and followers on Twitter to submit their own tips for living a better life. I'm trying to keep them kind of small and easy, like the reading before bed one, and not big pieces of advice that we all need but would be harder to implement. These are my three favorites from this week, but keep them coming. Email carolmarkowitzshow at gmail.com or tweet me at carol on X, new Twitter, whatever you want to call it. I'll read some responses on the show and future episodes. So tune in. The number one thing that came up again and again is to get off your phone. I've talked about this one here I understand it's a challenge, but we all know how much better off we would be if we used our phones less. I've talked about how I take breaks for vacation, but I'm going to make a serious attempt to just be on my phone less. I get that it's really tough. And even right now, I'm thinking about all the things that I need to get done on the Internet, you know, which would require me using my laptop or my phone but it's necessary to cut back and I know it. And I'm going to stop using it for like entertainment when I wait on a line or I'm doing something that I don't want to be doing. Number two is similar, but a little different. Somebody wrote, remember that social media is not real life. Go out and see the world, talk to people, live life in person. I talk about this a lot on here. I think it gets very easy to live your life online, especially if you work from home, Challenge yourself to have one conversation in real life this week. And I don't just mean with your spouse or with your kids. I'll say a conversation has to be three sentences long. So it can't just be nice weather we're having with your neighbor and that's it. Connect with people in real life. Number three is compliment one person a day. Be the kind of person who says nice things to others. It'll make you feel better about yourself too. I promise. Coming up next, an interview with Javier David.
0: Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required.
4: Welcome back to the Carol Markowitz Show on iHeartRadio. My guest today is Javier David. Javier is managing editor for business and markets at Axios. He oversees the markets, macro, and closer newsletters and is an unrepentant Brooklynite, which is how we met when I was one too. Hi, Javier. So great to have you on.
5: Hey, good morning.
4: So I know very little about finance or financial markets, but you're now actually the third financial journalist I've had on, which just means I'm friends with a lot of financial journalists. The other two were John Carney and Mitch Rochelle from Breitbart and Fox Business. But it's interesting, finance, and I love to learn. So where do you see the economy going, you know, in a sort of plain terms for people who don't know a lot about what's going on?
5: Um, yeah, John Carney, incidentally, is one of uh, my former colleagues. We work together at CNBC. Uh, great guy, super smart. Um, huge amount of respect for them. Uh, hi, John, if you're listening. Um, but yeah, I'm sure he, he's listening. <laughs> hopefully he is. Um, I see him all the time on Twitter, but not in, in person. Um, but all that said, uh, yeah, the economy in 2024, um, kind of a puzzle, you know. Uh, Against all odds, and, and I know this is a sort of controversial thing to say it shouldn't be, but you know, the economy, the U S economy is really in a lot of, uh, respects outperformed every other major economy. Um, and we're in an election year and, you know, it's sort of, uh, the economy becomes something of a Rorschach test where if you are, you know, whether you're a Democrat or a Republican mm-hmm. it all, kind of is skewed based on, um, kind of a, a or viewed through a partisan lens. Um, And that's unfortunate because, um, you know, you have a jobs market that is really, really strong. Um, After a very long period where workers' wages were stagnant, um, people are earning more. They're earning more or getting more from their employers. That's a good thing. You know, unemployment below 4%, um, that has been, there's a lot of noise surrounding Uh, the state of the jobs market because we've had a tremendous amount of layoffs announcements since the start of the year. I mean, a lot of that has been concentrated um, in sectors that kind of overhired during the pandemic, and that would be technology and Mm -hmm. also in the field that we're in, which is media. Um, And if you remember, I think 2021, 2022, it seemed like everybody was getting a new job somewhere. Right. Um, um, it was kind of the YOLO economy, and everyone yep. was like, "Hey, I'm going to go." You know, personal news on Twitter, like that. You know, <laughs> position, mm-hmm. Um, You know, it was a really heady time to be uh, a journalist, and you know, after you know, you come into this pr- uh, profession and you don't really believe that you're going to make a lot of money, and people started getting good money. Um, but now we're kind of overcorrecting for that. What was it? Mm-hmm. That sort of an overhiring. Um, but all things considered, the inflation, I think that's what everyone is kind of like on the front. Right. That's what everyone's talking about, and that's why uh, views about the economy are so skewed because we are, in fact, paying much more for everything and more than we've paid in a very long time. Um, and the data suggests that we are, in fact, inflation is slowing. Now, slowing is a different animal altogether than falling prices. And mm-hmm. you, know, you have a lower rate of inflation but prices are still rising um so we kind of call it disinflation which means that yeah inflation is still there it's still present it's still a risk and it's one of the reasons why the Federal Reserve uh won't kind of commit to cutting rates anytime this year because there is a real risk that it could pick up again Um, and those of us old enough to remember guys like, you know, uh, Volker and Greenspan, Mm -hmm. uh, these guys were federal reserve chairmen who were committed inflation fighters. And they warned about this stuff all the time that if you allowed inflation to get out of control, um, it absolutely would, and it would kind of devour everything. So we're coming out of this era or this particular juncture, uh, where prices were really, really high. Um, but now they're starting to normalize. So again, normalizing is different than falling um uh, which isn't a good thing either cuz you don't want deflation um which is almost as bad as inflation so you want is stable prices and the fed right. has managed to kind of stick the landing and hiked rates it's brought inflation sort of under control nominally um and the growth is still there and and more importantly anyone that needs a job can find a job and that the data shows that it's a lot tougher than it was a year ago uh but certainly uh, people can feel confident in the fact that, like, this is a place, you know, the economy, the economy is in a place where people can find jobs, you can earn money. And it's, you know, it's not a disaster. The economy is certainly not falling off a cliff.
4: Where would we first see that inflation go down. Cause I, I have not seen, I just, I'm constantly amazed at prices. Like I, mm. you know, I've been blessed to to, to I haven't, you know, really haven't had a financial downturn in the last few years um, mm. that a lot of people did during the pandemic. That's and cool. I am like horrified at a lot of the prices. Um, and I, I just think that it makes me afraid for the future because I just don't see them going down, but you're saying that they may. So where would we feel that or see that first?
5: So we're seeing it. We're starting to see, I think people get the most triggered by grocery prices. And grocery prices right. come up.
4: I am triggered. <laughs>
5: and, they're, and they're still very high. So yeah. the data says that they're still rising, but at a much more normal rate, where people are actually starting to see the sticker shock, honestly, is when they go out to eat. Remember mm-hmm. at one point, Yes. Last year, over the last year or so, it was cheaper to eat out than it was to stay at home and eat right. because the prices were so absurd. Mm-hmm. Now we're at this in this particular juncture where the grocery prices are starting to level off. But again, leveling off isn't a different animal than falling. Right. Um. Still high, but like moderating uh a lot of the fast food joints are have hiked prices and they're starting to see some pushback from that because people are not eating there as much mm-hmm. um and as a matter of fact we had a couple of um fast food uh operators report earnings just this yeah. week, um and some of them you know were weaker than expected because it's starting to get the data suggest or the numbers suggest that people are not necessarily inclined to just keep paying or coming out of pocket. Like there, right. there is. My
4: brother was telling me yesterday that McDonald's is like in collapse and yeah. <laughs> that's concerning. And, and McDonald's,
5: interestingly, <laughs> McDonald's is an interesting story because they mm-hmm. really thrive during the pandemic. And, you know, their um, whole sort of shtick is the dollar menu, the cheap eats. They've got yeah. a very, great value for their for their, you know, for what they offer. Um, and if you're an app user, like it's even better because you kind of accumulate loyalty points, you get Mm -hmm. special deals and whatever. Um, so I, I'm a big fan of McDonald's and I love their app and I absolutely love their coffee. Um, but in, in terms of prices, everyone is starting to realize that this isn't just a one way bet. You can't just sort of pass on costs, pass on costs. And the real reason that we have to sort of be, um, fair. The real reason why we're seeing such um, sort of price inflation is because it costs a lot of these companies a lot more to do business. And so their inputs mm-hmm. like flour, eggs, all of the things that are used to make a meal, yeah. a lot of the prices have skyrocketed. So at some point, there's a willingness for the company to eat some of those costs. But at some point, mm-hmm. it's like it's costing me a lot to put all of this together, and I'm going to start passing it on to consumer.
4: Right. Will millennials ever be able to buy a house or are they just going to be eating avocado toast in their, in their rentals uh, for the rest of their lives? Yes.
5: Um, you know, it's, and this is a, there's a, a strain of thought that says, you know, you shouldn't deprive. And I've seen this a lot more recently and, I, and I'm of two minds like uh, don't deprive yourself of things that make you feel good.
4: Yeah. Um, buy that that's been my philosophy for sure. Well, yeah, <laughs> my husband doesn't love that, but yeah, that's, that's how I live. <laughs> well,
5: well, here's the thing. Like, I think we all sort of grew up with this idea that, um, you know, especially for those of us of a certain generation, like
2: mm-hmm.
5: you had to save, um, every day wasn't, you know, you can treat yourself and like, maybe that's every week or once a week or once every two weeks or whatever. Uh, but that there was a limit. Um, and that you kind of had to impose some discipline. you had to live within a budget, um, nowadays, I think primarily because of the proliferation of social media and things like that, there's a lot of I don't know, for lack of a better term, peer pressure. People mm-hmm. feel obligated, FOMO, or you know, the, the they call it lifestyle creep. People, right? And hey, the U- U.S. Money.
4: government does it, so yeah. whatever. <laughs>
5: <laughs> well, yeah, that's a whole other conversation. But
4: they buy all um, the Starbucks treats.
5: <laughs> yeah, and so the yeah, idea mean, of people are making more money, and the data suggests they are. Wages are going up, so that entails people um looking and saying hey i'm making a little bit more money why don't i you know i couldn't afford that you know 50 dollar caviar lunch before but now i can i can afford to go to Vail for vacation. Mm-hmm. i can afford to do all of these other things um and that's when it starts to catch up with you so there's got to be a, you know a balance like if you bought and buying a house is a real responsibility it's a very expensive proposition and i think people aren't don't really fully prepare themselves for just how much home ownership involves a lot of money, a lot of responsibility, yeah. a lot of time. Um, it involves like putting down a down payment. And if you've got to put down a down payment and you don't have a rich relative or rich parents or whatever, you're going to have to figure out how to come up with that money by yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, mortgage rates being what they are, they've come off seven, 8% levels, which we saw just several months ago. Um, but it's still not cheap and housing is still very, very scarce. Affordable housing is still very, very scarce. So you have to look at all of these things and say, uh, like, yeah, I can have my Starbucks or I can have my avocado toast. But I actually do at some point want to own a house um, Mm -hmm. and it's not going to be cheap. So I've got to make the sorts of decisions now. Um, You know, when you spend all of these money, all this money regularly, it starts to add up.
4: Right. And, Not necessarily well, on avocado toast. If you're, no, uh, you know, <laughs> spending it, the money you should be using on a down payment, it's
5: the new vision pro thing. Like all right. of these, and if you've got a lot of money on credit cards um, and you're carrying balances, mm-hmm. you're paying interest on it. You're paying a substantial amount of it. You're paying at least 20% interest. is uh, more or less the average APR, and that's at a record high. So, all of these things add up. And so, they seem in the moment, it's like, okay, it's just $5, $20, whatever. Right, it's not, right. not a lot of money. Mm-hmm. But if you continually do it and you're working toward a financial goal that involves ownership of mm-hmm. a home or car or whatever it might be, um, these are things that you just have to really weigh in consideration to like where you are now and what you've got available and where you actually want to go
4: yeah i feel like i'm gonna send this video to the u.s government and say like hey javier says that maybe you shouldn't outspend what you're earning just we'll, you know, we'll a, all the way thought. Up, just that. yeah
5: that's that's one of my favorite topics is government spending but, um we're not, we're not gonna get on we'll that one for now.
4: we're gonna take a quick break and be right back on the carol markowitz show So switching uh, away from the financial world, a question that I ask all of my guests is, what would you say is our largest societal or cultural problem? And do you think it's solvable?
5: Wow. Um, we've got a lot of societal, <laughs> societal
2: problems.
5: I think, um, I think a lot of I think people blame social media for a lot of things. And I think we do have, you know, a number mm-hmm. of challenges. Um, and our our biggest is we're really disconnected. And I think that people attributed to uh, what's the, what's the best way to phrase this. Uh, people think it's individualism, but I don't believe it's individualism at all people wanting to do what they want to do. And they're just looking out for themselves. Um, and I don't think that that's really the problem. I just think that people are very not are thoughtless. That's the best way to put it. Like they're Mm -hmm. doing things or they're behaving in a way that just they're not really considering not only themselves, but kind of like the domino effect of what they do like in the future and how that impacts, you know, future decision, future availability, um, future, you know, the resources in a lot of way, you know, we, this, what we see on social media playing out on Twitter or or Instagram on any given day is really a function of the fact that we are very disconnected from ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I think people are trying their best, to fill a void, and they're just getting it all wrong, and a lot of it is you know expressed in you know consumerism and the and the the craziness that we see on Twitter and social media, and it's all a symptom of just something that's really, really um deeply ingrained, and that people really are struggling to try and reconcile themselves with or compensate for
4: and do you think it's solvable? Is this something that we can fix
5: you know i i i I want to call myself an optimist um but you know i i see things just jumping the rails every day like you 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 you, i'm 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 more of a realist than i am optimistic and it's one of those things as as cliche as it might sound i think it's going to get worse before it gets better and i think Mm. the people um we have to hit rock bottom and apparently i don't think we're there yet and everything i think we are sort of at rock bottom um things get a little worse uh and and so all of that said like i just i i feel like we need to stop placing so much in order for things to get better we need to stop placing so much um faith or emphasis in politics or the political system Mm -hmm. people are looking for some sort of like you know, Superman or Superwoman or or people that were to redeem themselves or redeem how they feel about their circumstances. And that's the wrong way to look at it. Like, and and when we're electing government officials, we're not electing our best. And we're certainly... No, we're not. No. No. We're not electing our best. And we're we're kind of like imbuing them with this power, some Mm -hmm. sort of thing. We kind of want them to govern a certain way or govern over us. And like we, you know... We're, we 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 used to govern ourselves. These people work for us. When you elect right. them, they're supposed to be making decisions on our behalf, and they're supposed to be like accountable to us. And in a lot of ways, it, it's not working out that way. And I think that that's part of an expression of the whole disconnect and 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 the fact that people are yearning for something but are like putting it in all of putting the emphasis on all the wrong things and all the wrong people.
4: I normally end with this question, but this seems like a natural segue. Here is. What's your best tip for my listeners on how they can improve their lives?
5: Get off the computer every once in a while. Just Mm -hmm. close the phone, close the laptop, go out, go to a movie. I go to the movies every week. Um, Really? You're a Brooklynite and you know know where the Nighthawk is. The Nighthawk every week. Uh-huh. Every week they have great retro movies like I'm going to see Shaft next week. Mm. Um, I saw Mommy Duras there a few weeks, uh, a few months ago. Um, I really enjoy the movies and I really enjoy going to the movies. It's strange to it sound about myself. I just kind of like sitting in the movie theater and it's dark and you got your popcorn yeah. and your food. If you go to a place like the Nighthawk, they serve cocktails. They serve a full menu. It's really cool. And it's like and I'm in walking distance. So often most of the time I end up walking there, riding my bike getting fresh air and sort of unplugging from the matrix that we've all can you know, convinced mm-hmm. ourselves we need to um, participate and partake in every day and give hot takes and some Twitter and right. on Instagram <laughs> or whatever. It's like, give it all a rest. Like, you know, give yourself, give your, like your mind a break.
4: What would you be doing if you were not a financial journalist? What was the plan B for Javier?
5: Um, believe it or not, I really wanted to be a lawyer at one wow um, I'm glad forget I forget <laughs> that <laughs> so the 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 cliff notes version of my life is: I graduated from high school went straight to the military mm. I was a paralegal in the army um I got exposed to law that way and I was like wow this is great I want to do this and I graduated so I, once I got out of the military I went right to college I blasted my way through college double majored in economics and politics and I minored in English lit and my whole idea was I was going to, you know, leverage that to go to law school. But then I was like, wow, it's a three-year commitment and it's so mm. expensive. And so I got a master's degree instead. Um, I kind of stumbled into financial journalism. But I was actually, you know, once upon a time gearing myself or preparing myself for a career in law. Wow.
4: I, I really would not have guessed that. I feel like you might have missed your calling with voiceover work. You have this great voice and it's so soothing. I could like listen to you, you know, tell me about financial markets. And <laughs> so it's not,
5: it's not Shakespeare, but it's, it, it, it keeps the bills. Hey, I,
4: I believe in you. I think you could totally do Shakespeare.
5: <laughs> I used to love Shakespeare, I was, I was a big Shakespeare Fan. I
4: could see that. Yeah. And I, I could see you, you know, on a stage, like, it's just something to consider, you know?
5: Yeah. Well, it's never <laughs> too late, as they say. Right. <laughs>
4: Do you feel like you've made it? Um, No, I, I feel like
5: making it is um, a misnomer. I, it's almost like misleading in a lot of ways. It's like, you know, you never stop learning and you should never stop growing. Um, and I think that once you have, like, that's a real danger. Um, I am firmly of the belief that like, you know, I don't know what make it looks like. And I think that a lot of ways, like a lot of us look to people with a lot of money and a lot of power and famous. And it's like, wow, like I want that. And you don't necessarily, those folks have a lot of problems. I don't necessarily, I wouldn't want to be Elon Musk for all the, for all the money and the billions that he has. Um, I wouldn't want, I, 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 I probably Taylor
4: Swift. I I just, I always think like such a tough life
5: it really is and i feel firmly that money a lot of money just turns people into animals and the proximity to it people just feel like they have to have it or they have to ingratiate themselves with people that have it so that they can get some of it um it you know corrodes your morality it can corrodes your sense of self um and it's not a good thing and i would you know just I've always said to myself i, I just want to live comfortably and i do live comfortably and i'm like i'm grateful and i'm thankful for like the life that i have and the decisions that i've made and the fact that you know my bills are paid i can come see my mom in miami um
2: mm-hmm. most importantly in tampa
5: <laughs> i can go hang out in west palm beach sometimes even yes. um but <laughs> But um, yeah, I just I, I, I have think, to
4: correct you, though. We saw each other on Palm Beach. Yes, the people yes, on Palm all Beach all do not like when you call Palm Beach my, West Palm Beach. <laughs> my, my,
5: as I said, my 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 knowledge of Florida gets a little fuzzy over, over around Fort Lauderdale.
4: Right. I, I went to
5: high school <laughs> in Miami, so I'm like mm-hmm. south, very South Florida oriented. But like everything past Fort Lauderdale starts to get a little blurry.
4: Yeah. Well, I I love that advice, you know, get off the internet. And I, I, you know, I talk about that on the show a lot. Um, Touch grass, live your life. Love it. Thank you so much for coming on, Javier. i talking to you and we'll hopefully talk to you again soon.
5: Definitely. Thanks for having me.
4: Thanks so much for joining us on The Carol Markowitz Show. Subscribe wherever
1: you get your podcasts.